Curiosity. Kill the rat. Curiosity. Kill the rat. Good morning, afternoon, or evening to all of you guys, gals, and esteemed non-binary guests out there. This is Declan Burke stealing the introduction for the Curiosity Killed the Rat podcast. I'm here today with our hosts, uh, Kate Huckstep and Matt Huckstep, the dynamic duo, brother and sister team. I'm recording to you live uh, from the uh, traditional lands of the Wajak people of the Noongar Nation, specifically in Buraloo. Uh, Yeah, that seems smooth. We keep that in. <laughs> you know what? I don't yeah, need no, to say definitely. anything anymore. Um, I think I'm just going to sit here silently for the rest of the podcast. You can just run it on your own. How does that sound? I'm going to hang on to that audio forever and going to use it at the start of all of our episodes for now because, <laughs> well, my so goodness, you, that was, my, um, that was I, I, I come from Carnival Barker stock, so uh, there is a certain... Um, I don't know, people talk about, uh, you know, like intergenerational trauma. I have intergenerational carnival barking ability <laughs> sometimes. God, you should, you should have seen me when we were doing the charity newspaper sales at university. Ah, oh, it's incredible. Honestly, this doesn't surprise me in the slightest. But anyway, brilliant introduction. I guess we should probably, you know, keep on going, introduce ourselves. Yes, you know, we are here too, as Declan just said. I, Our beautiful dynamic yeah, duo. That yeah, is. yeah, yeah. Um, I'm recording from somewhere different, uh, and so I apologise in advance if I pronounce this incorrectly, but I'm actually in Sydney at the moment, recording from the lands traditionally owned by the Camarega people. Um, and Matt, where are you? What are you hanging? What are you doing? I am recording from my same old lovely place. My name is Matt. I am a science enthusiast, not a scientist, but I love everything about science, and I love the guests we have on the show, namely Declan Burke, who we have this lovely week, and I am recording from Lance traditionally owned by the Noongar Nation as well. Southwest WA represent just went into a three-day snap oh, lockdown. Yes. What's up? Yes. Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not feeling super jazzed about it, man. Like, I was looking forward to coming around and us recording together in person, but no, we're going back to the old school Zoom ways. Yeah. Okay, you got to do what you got to do. You got to do what you got to do. Shit happens. I know, I loved it, like, oh, how the, you know tables have turned you guys are stuck in lockdown and i've just gone interstate for some fun little casual little weekend holiday interstate <laughs> um, yeah no need to brag mate look <laughs> all of last year all the podcast is is me complaining about being in lockdown and matt being like yeah things are pretty chill here so you know <laughs> yeah look i mean i think we we had to get our comeuppance at some point right we can't yeah. uh it's three days. You guys will be fine. It's, it's not going to exactly. be three days. It's going to be longer. Anyway, we don't need to talk about anyway, my you know. doomsaying. Yeah. <laughs> All right, no. so. We should talk about some science. What yes. science have you got for us? What are we talking about today? Right, so uh, for those of you who remember the uh, the dulcet tones of my voice from the episode on hydrogen uh, mm. a while ago. And if um, you don't, go back and listen to it. Fantastic episode. It's a great episode. Yeah, yeah, we cut all the good jokes I mean, out. all of our episodes are great. <laughs> um, that's not true. Um, all, of, all of your episodes are great. cut some good jobs out. Yes. Ah, gosh. So the other thing that I... Uh, make at my job or rather research for my job is graphite. So graphite is the other half of the uh, industrial process that I'm working on developing uh, for a company called Hazer Group. They exist. You can look them up. We're on the ASX. (laughs) They exist. Is is this something that people have doubted (laughs) in the past? And you're like, no, I need to tell you. I'd like to think that that's just their company bagline. What what was the name of the company? Hazer Group. Hazer Group. Hazer Group. Hazer Group. We exist. I think I think it's local technologies for global markets, which I, 
you know, those we are both those are both up. technically true. Um, yeah, the so. idea behind the process, and the reason that these are the two things I am I wouldn't necessarily say uniquely qualified to talk about, but like the, these are the reasons. This is the reason that the, the the reason that these are the things that I am qualified to talk about is because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the Hazer process uh, takes methane or CH four or um, for the children in the audience farts. <laughs> um, you are you are you are the younger sibling, Matt. So I'm I'm, I'm glad you appreciated that. Yes, indeed. <laughs> well, so interestingly, um, not not so much on its own. So um, natural gas, when we uh, use it in our homes, so a lot of those like lightweight lightweight hydrocarbons like methane and ethane and uh, propane and butane, which mm-hmm. the latter All two of, of you, yeah, well, the low ions, the first four ions. Uh, are gases at room temperature, um, which mm-hmm. is why we are able to use them as fuel in things like camping stoves, for instance. So, you know, you've got a butane mm. canister, right? So mm. that stuff doesn't actually, like, broadly speaking on its own, it actually doesn't really smell particularly bad. What you're actually smelling is all of the, um, like, sulfur compounds that come along with it. Um, mm-hmm. So for natural gas, for instance, you know, the reason that when you turn the uh if you, when you turn the gas on on your stove and you're like oh fuck that smells bad it smells like rotten eggs that's because it's someone's job to put yeah, a little a drop it, they? a drop of yeah. uh really uh lightweight sulfides which i worked with during honors and let me tell you that is the smelliest stuff i have <laughs> like it, it you can smell it so i had it in a little flask that was sealed mm-hmm. it was, it was mm-hmm. airtight under an inert atmosphere and mm-hmm. the residue that was left on the little nozzle attached to the flask, mm-hmm. you could smell it from across the room when it was in a freezer. Um, oh my gosh! It's it, like it is. Hell. It smells so, why so are you bad. Not pranking everyone with this stuff. Uh, because because it's it's like actually, um, it smells bad to the point at which it can kind of be considered a bioweapon. Um, okay. Like, oh. because, so it's gone right. beyond prank if you're starting to like you know like, dish this stuff out. Yeah. So. Um, for instance, not not this one in particular, but I think uh, like there's a a very another very particular uh, sulfur compound, a low weight sulfur compound that um, they put a drop on the edge of a, a watch glass, which is like a little glass plate that we use in the labs, mm-hmm. and they put like a, a couple of drops on that at the edge of the fume hood, and people like 800 meters away were throwing up three seconds later. Like it's it's horrible. Fucking hell. And this, oh so gosh. this um, yeah. this does actually get used by like military groups, um, especially in Israel. But it, it so like these compounds will get used to like basically hose down protesters in some places because the idea is that like essentially you know who's been at these protests because they yeah, reek. They fucking they they, they, and you you like it takes more effective than like those dyes and stuff that stick to people. Well, yeah, know, like it, put the, it's it's often used in concert with dyes, but it, it takes like days to get rid of the smell, and you like you have to wash a lot and or mm. use like specialized chemicals to neutralize it. Point is, when you smell natural gas, that's like one or two parts per billion that they've they've just like dropped in oh yeah wow. they've just like okay. they've got like an eyedropper into a gas tank and that's like that's all and you that's need extreme smell it. the human nose is so good at picking up on those uh low weight sulfur compounds because yeah i mean have you ever eaten a rotten egg yeah well that's no, exactly that's... and i want to keep it that way yeah yeah we're, we're very good at not eating rotten eggs <laughs> and mm. we're very good at not eating rotten food like that's you know people who did that died died and yeah you know, so like, evolutionarily it makes a lot of sense yeah so 
It's like how Bodhi was saying the other week, your nose is what you do before you put something in your mouth. It's your way to test it out to see mm. if it's poisonous without actually having to test the hard way to see if it's poisonous. Yeah, yeah exactly. And so that's why we put it in natural gas is because it, like you, you'll asphyxiate or you'll start a house fire if it's leaking. So you need to be mm. able to smell it and it needs to be unpleasant. You need to be, to be able unpleasant. to detect it yeah. because it's like colourless and mm. you know, you're not going to notice otherwise. Yeah. Mm. Um, so fart gas... Uh, methane. Um, so the process that uh, I work on basically takes methane from either like LNG plants or mm-hmm. from uh, like bio waste streams, which, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, you know, just a river of shit, basically. Um, <laughs> shit river. Well, well yeah. the, the gas that comes off what comes out of when you purify water, like the stuff that you don't want in the water, the gas that comes off that, mm-hmm. we process that. Right. Um, <laughs> with an iron oxide catalyst and you get uh, hydrogen, which go read the, go listen to the episode about hydrogen. <laughs> it was good. Um, hydrogen, good shit. And that's the, that's the summary. Ah, get yeah. it? Because it comes from shit. Ah. Um, so, yeah. So normally when you're making hydrogen, you get um, CO2 release. That's where the carbon from CH4 goes, right? It goes into CO2. Yeah. The unique thing about our process is that it just stays as carbon and... There are a lot of different uh, types of carbon. Yeah. So, like, you know, people always be like, oh, pencils and coal and diamonds are all the same thing. It's all, it's all carbon. And I, that's, you know, that's kind of true. Pencils are actually – well, pencils are only, like, 30% graphite. And my, like, literally my number one pet peeve about working with this stuff – okay, my number two pet peeve about working with this stuff is whenever I talk about it at parties, people are like – Oh, like in pencils, yeah. Um, which, like, it's the use. Well, that's like the most common thing that we know graphite to be a part of because I feel like I've never seen graphite outside of a pencil or maybe like, I don't well, know. No, no, do the graphite's graphite inside rocks? the pencil, Matt, not <laughs> yeah, outside. Yeah, I, I know. Them. I don't know. Maybe they painted in it as well. I always end up with really smudgy hands when I use a pencil. So fuck you. Yeah. Well, so that the, the, my my biggest pet peeve about working with graphite is that the particles are so small um, that like. If you are near graphite, just like all of a sudden everything on your body is black and like just jet black and it it washes off fairly easily. Fortunately, it's very much Mm. non-toxic. So Mm. the thing with carbon uh, is that we're made of it. It's very common. Um, Mm, There's a lot of carbon. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, it's in your DNA. It's in everything that is alive on Earth and a lot of things that aren't. Um, Mm. and one of the interesting things about carbon is that, uh, it can exist, uh, basically as uh, a mono elemental substance. So like graphite is just carbon. There's nothing else in it. And that's the point is, Mm. um, that it is just a much like diamond in theory, at least it's like just an infinite, uh, repeating lattice of, uh, carbon in this case, in the case of, um, graphite, it's in, uh, hexagons. It's just an infinitely repeating two-dimensional lattice mm. of hexagons. Now, I'm mm. sure there are some science enthusiasts in your audience who are going to pick me up on this and say, actually, actually that's graphene. Uh, yes, you are correct. Yeah. Um, but the differentiation between graphene and graphite is um, contentious. Um, so, like, on, on a atomic structure level, they are exactly the same. The difference between graphene and graphite is that graphene either exists as one layer if you're very much Mm -hmm. a purist and then depending on kind of how much you're willing to let things slide if you'll pardon the tribological pun uh it can be anywhere pardon it i shall because that was beautiful thank you very much (laughs) um it's 
uh, it can go up to 10 layers before it becomes graphite. Um, and not that there's necessarily anything specifically special about 10 layers, um, but I think is that's... just like an arbitrary thing? Someone one day was like, this is where we're calling it something well, else. It's one, I think human beings work in base 10 and so we like it. And two, mm. by the time you get to 10 layers of graphene, you really don't see that many properties of graphene anymore. You start to kind of really only see graphite properties. Yeah, but like, right. you know, I think if we had nine fingers it'd stop at nine. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, as, as with all things chemical, uh, you know, there is an idealized form of it, which is a kind of infinitely repeating hexagonal unit that just goes on mm. forever. Um, but in reality, you know, they're, they're obviously they don't go on forever because then we'd all be part of a, you know, two dimensional plane, one atom thick. Um, <laughs> the dream, that be right? Right. It, it would, it would make things a lot easier. I will, I will, well, I will say things, that. It would make some things a lot easier. I feel like there are some things that would uh, be complicated. I wouldn't have to go to the shops if I was a perfectly flat one atom thick. Mm. Uh, you wouldn't be locked Monoelemental down. substance. <laughs> COVID would struggle. Yeah. Things just wouldn't have the same depth to them. Ah! No, that was terrible. No that was fucking terrible. No, that was <laughs> good. I, I, I like that. I like that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I guess one of the reasons that I'm interested in graphite and one of the reasons I wanted to talk about it is that uh, it has some really interesting physical properties. Um, mm. It's it's one of the strongest materials uh, known to humankind. And it is also one of the things that is that we can get the thinnest, like people have made single atom sheets of graphene and they've made them like a four size. Um, mm. And it, ha it oh. has, yeah. I mean, look, that's hard. That's very hard to yeah. do, but like it is mm. like people have done it. It's incredible. Um, Hear me out. Graphene trampoline. Uh, <laughs> so the <laughs> less strong when it's like single atom thick though. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it is definitely less strong. Um, when you get it that thin. Okay, hear me out. Graphite trampoline. Trampoline for ants. Um, <laughs> still probably suboptimal. Um, it is uh, one of the strongest okay. materials uh, mm. known to humankind just because the it's it's a like the bonds, the carbon-carbon bonds and just like an infinitely repeating plane of carbon-carbon bonds is a very, very good way to get things to hold together. It has a, mm. a theor theoretical maximum uh, tensile strength like orders of magnitude greater than like steel cabling at like, you know, yeah, okay. inch, inch thick steel cabling has got nothing on graphite. Like it's, it can, it can yeah, hold up wow. a lot of shit. Is it malleable or is it brittle? I'm just go going down the rabbit hole in my head about how practical trampoline. graphene trampoline would work. Cause every time I've like seen a visualization of graphene and then like talking about how strong it is, they're all like, you know, an elephant could balance on a pencil on graphene and it wouldn't break. And it always shows the graphene kind of flexing under mm. it. But is that how graphene would work or is, does it have more of a rigidity and then it would be kind of like a snapping at the breaking point? Oh, it's, it's definitely not a particularly rigid substance, at least from my understanding of it. Um, so, for instance, like, uh, you may be familiar with buckyballs, um, the C60 molecule, the soccer ball molecule. I am not. Mm. Okay, well, <laughs> basically, there is a molecule which is the exact shape of a soccer ball. And so, like, mm. at all of the corners, there's a carbon atom, and it's made up of 60 carbon atoms, and it's a ball. Right. The geometry is slightly different because it has a bunch of five-siders in there as well, but, like, it's very similar uh, to graphite mm -hmm. or graphene. And, you know, it can exist not only as a sheet, you can, it can also exist as a tube, a carbon nanotube, 
Uh, I've heard of know, those. Yes, yes, you might have done. That's really the um, the poster child of uh, graphite morphologies is the carbon mm. nanotube. Um, mm. And you can oh, have you them... the word nano in there, and everyone's like, oh, mate, it's <laughs> the carbon Anything nano. Anything on the nano scale. iPod is... nano. Like... The carbon nano onions are, uh, you know, I like onions? that shit. What? So basically, layers. <gasps> layers. Well, yes, exactly. So you basically, rather than having, you know, one buckyball, which is C60, mm. right? Well, you mm-hmm. have that, and then you just have, like, larger balls around it, like uh, an onion. And so yeah. you have, like, um, a, a, you could call like it an a, 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 like yes, an exactly like an ogre. Um, carbon ogre. Yes. Carbon, um, carbon nano-ogres would be another acceptable um, initialism for carbon nano-onions, I suppose. Mm. That is the mm-hmm. new name for my Reddit-based metal band. <laughs> carbon nano-ogres. Yeah. I never want to hear the Can phrase Reddit-based of- metal band ever again. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it has a uh, incredibly high electrical and thermal conductivity, which is to say if you heat it up, the heat transfer is very effective and you don't get mm-hmm. much heat loss at all, and same with electricity, but... but? it Okay, so those properties hold true across the plane. So if you can imagine a piece of paper, right, mm-hmm. and you're passing an electric current from one end of that piece of paper... To the, to the other side of that piece of paper, that happens very mm-hmm. effectively if that paper is made up of graphene, right? Like yeah, if that paper isn't actually paper. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Um, but if you have an electric current at the bottom of a ream of photocopier paper and at the top, it's going to take, it's very difficult for it to get up there. So it's, a, it's an uh, excellent okay. uh, conductor in plane and an excellent insulator out of plane. Um, oh, yeah, okay. so, so that's one of the things about graphite and graphene in general is that it's has these incredible physical properties, but also like we are talking about one atom thick uh, yes. <laughs> plates mm. here. So like organizing them is no main feat. And there are ways that people do it, which is incredible, but like it's, it's really not easy at all yeah. to do, mm. to, to get them to kind of, agree with one another about where they should Mm. be agree with each other i'm just now picturing them all just sitting down and having a conversation (laughs) well i mean you know like some of them will some of them will curl or get um oxidized or damaged or realign or something like that or um you know sometimes there'll just be one there and it'll kind of or something you know like they sorry what was that it'll just uh, is there a way that's an audio medium medium. um so (laughs) Basically, despite the fact that it does have all of these really excellent physical properties, like it's one atom thick. And so charge uh, charge densities can change or physical situations can change. And like it might be, it's very strong for something that's one atom thick, but it's still one atom thick and incredibly easily broken and manipulated when it's that thin. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of how like how touchy it is as a substance. Um in some respects as well, just for the purposes of like synthesis and, you know, moving it around. And so like graphene, graphene, like single, single layer graphene, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't really have any applications at the moment <laughs> because it's just. Because making a trampoline for ants is just not. Well, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of effort and. Hey, the ants would love it. I think it's I, worth it. I, the biomass I, I of disagree. ants far outweighs the biomass of humans. If we're not catering to them, what are we doing for our planet? <laughs> you well, see so our earlier episode on ants. If, if, if you'll actually permit me a small digression here. Please. Um, oh, please. Always. So uh, 
there is a there is a there is a body of literature around insect suffering um oh my god uh, of course there is yeah well so so the idea is right if if we are um as I am a utilitarian, which I hate saying out loud, um, <laughs> you know the the pri- the primary goal is to maximize you know total happiness and minimize total unhappiness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, hey, I'm a, I've been a vegetarian for 13 years. I think it's a bit uh, you know uh, anthropocentric uh, to confine the you know we should grant ha- we should maximize happiness you know to confine that to human beings is. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't like that. Uh, but then the question becomes, well, okay, where do we stop? And so one of the problems that's come up is basically if you start granting that kind of, I hesitate to say rights, but if you start granting moral standing to insects, like ants, I don't know if they're mm. insects. Um, they're too big for me to think about. I, I can only really do things that are like 500 atomic units, maybe a little more. <laughs> Anything bigger than that starts to freak me out. Um, <laughs> Yeah, once you start to think about whether or not ants can suffer, that's not that's not a good rabbit hole to go down because mm. if they can suffer, the only oh, moral gosh. thing to do is to make the world a perfect place for insects. And I, I don't know what that'd look like for people. A lot of oxygen. Lots of trampolines. I I just I don't think it would be good for human beings if mm. we had to be like well, we need to maximize ant happiness and mosquito oh, happiness gosh. and fly happiness. Bee happiness, I think we should maximize because bees are lovely and they're friends. Mosquitoes, however, are the natural spiders. enemy of human beings. Spiders can hang. I love spiders. I love I, I've been I've been growing more and more fond of spiders lately, given the more and more I'm beginning to detest flies. Because mm. oh, it's a, just kind of a, like the, the the spider is the natural enemy of the fly, so therefore they are my ally. You know. There's a mm. there's a really really fat orb weaver that sits right in front of our bug zapper at home. And she's been there, like, basically since we set the bug zapper up. And she's just, like, every time I go outside at night, she's just there, parked up. Like, oh, that's her territory. And she's just got to unlock. Like, she's so, she's just, like. That's smart. She makes so much fucking spider money. Because that spider <laughs> can tell right away that it's, like, yeah, no, the bugs fucking love this zapper. They keep coming mm. to it. Let yeah. me just set up shop here. Yeah, and, no, it's great. You know, you gotta respect that. You gotta I mean, admittedly, it's like required. the size of my fucking hand, and so like, you know, oh, wow. it is in the middle of our outdoor Mildly setting. Mildly terrifying. So yeah, there is always this kind of just like, okay, we're going outside for drinks. Don't walk into the big fucking spider. Well, look, <laughs> my thought is, don't piss her off. No matter how are. big a bug or a spider is, you're still bigger. You know. There's a mutual I mean, respect is... there between the insect and the person. If you leave it alone, it'll leave you alone. Because you can fuck it up more than it can fuck you up if you've got a big enough boot on. Mm. I mean, but do the insects know this? Do the insects actually... If you leave I've, them I've the fuck alone, they won't bother you. That's what I know. I've definitely had to have a talk with a huntsman a couple of times in my room. You know, I get back from work <laughs> at like three or four in the morning and there's this big fucking spider on my wall. I'm like, all right, mm. you need to leave me alone. I'm gonna leave you alone. If you touch me, I'll fucking kill you. But we can we can be roommates. That's fine. But just like don't. Well, that's it. The only spiders me. that get left alive are the ones that leave us alone. Because the ones that bother us, we fucking uh, kill. natural so, selection. You know, very, well, very, human selection, I guess. Humans are part yeah. of nature. Yeah, humans are part of nature. Natural selection. Indeed. For a science podcast, I just want to make the disclaimer that natural selection is not quite. That. <laughs> just, that's a just for anyone that's, listening. I don't know. That, you know we're selecting them naturally. That sounds like natural selection to me. 
Okay. The ones that make the right choices are the ones that <laughs> evolution live. Evolution that I'm going to have to do. Well, apparently. Apparently. That's, <laughs> oh, I don't know. That seems like Darwinism to me. Sure. Anyway, graphite, right? Yes. <laughs> Should we what put about two it? spiders into a ring together and make them have a graphite? That's it. That's that's that seems cruel. I don't know if we should encourage blood sports on the podcast. Nah. <laughs> Look, fair cop. I'll I'll take that. Maybe not. Maybe not. So, if, if you'll permit me to scream about graphite a little more, um, that's why you're here. That's uh, that's true. It's <laughs> that's why we pay you the big bucks. I I'm getting paid. Oh my god. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In in Bitcoin. Monopoly money. I'm getting paid in Bitcoin. Oh, fuck yeah. Um, (laughs) I don't have Bitcoin. I don't know where these funds are coming from. That's your other job, Declan. You're sourcing crypto for us. Okay. Um, (laughs) Yeah, you can source the money that we can then use to pay you. You'll only get a percentage. (laughs) Very nice. So one of the, um, I guess, in terms of uses for graphite, broadly speaking, there are two types of graphite. There is natural graphite and synthetic graphite. Natural graphite Mm -hmm. is mined. Graphite does exist in nature. And so that's mostly mined in like Tanzania and Mozambique and China. I think the largest graphite mine in the world is in Mozambique. And they've um, recently just been like, okay, we need to slow down production because there's just too much. There's too much graphite here. We're going to saturate the market. We need to produce less of it. Um, And so natural graphite is uh, often used in um, refractories. So for like, you know, big steel making and steel recycling furnaces, basically. So mm-hmm. graphite, broadly speaking, you can get up to around 3,000 degrees before you start to have problems. Um, oh, wow. So, yeah, yeah okay. it has, it's, you know, it's carbon. It's got one of the highest, uh, like, melting True. slash boiling points mm. of any material. Um, and so they use it as, like, the furnace walls for a lot of really high temperature mm. um, industrial yep. processes where they're basically just, like, pouring molten steel into a very large cup and they use it for the pouring device and they use it for the cup. Um, yeah. And those processes do degrade the graphite, like it strips it away, but mm. because you add carbon to steel anyway, you're just getting the carbon into your steel that way. Yeah, right. Um, it oh. also gets used for, uh, this is more synthetic graphite that gets used for this purpose. Um, so the main difference between those two is not necessarily actually where they come from, but more their physical qualities. So, Natural graphite tends to be smaller flakes, um, Mm -hmm. whereas synthetic graphite, because you're, like, manufacturing it, you get larger chunks and there's, like, it goes up to, uh, and this is the the technical term for it is super jumbo. Um, (laughs) Super jumbo. Yeah. Um, And so that kind of stuff gets used along with needle coke, which is from petroleum refining, um, gets used for making uh, what are called electric arc furnace electrodes. And so, again, in steel making, um, mm. I think I think China does like eighty five percent of global uh, electric arc furnace operations, and these electrodes are like you know twenty five thousand dollars a ton, big fuck off, just black cylinders that mm. they just pass a massive current through, and then mm. they just progressively kind of lower them into a pit filled with metal uh, and like iron and steel. And just pass yeah. an absolutely massive current through it. The graphite heats up to three thousand degrees, which it can because it's an excellent conductor and also mm. like radi- like stores Celsius. heat very effectively. Mm. And then the electrode kind of the bits at the bottom of the electrode crumble away into the steel, giving it its carbon. And then you just mm. you just you keep putting electrodes in, and they keep melting, and you keep putting electrodes in. And so that's like the main 
bulk use of um, of high quality graphite is actually mm-hmm. in in steel making. Um, when it comes to really high quality graphite, um, it's in batteries. So um, uh, yeah, yeah. Right. So I want to say that got... was a really impressive little pen flick you did. There. Oh, thank that was you. Sweet. That was. Didn't want that to go unrecognized. That was, that was, that was, a, that was Once a guy. Again, this is an audio medium. <laughs> also, in the minds of the viewer, the pen trick can be as sick as they fucking want. Yeah, um, that's true. It. That's it. There was a guy in my high school who had like, he had cannibalized eight separate pens to make a perfectly balanced spinning pen. Oh, and my gosh. He, it was like a fucking tech deck, man. He could like spin it across <laughs> his hand. It was like a poker chip. It was incredible. Oh, my goodness. That's amazing. It's really weird, actually, but he was a good dude. Um, <laughs> hey, we all have our things in high school. Yeah, yeah, and Poms was spinning pens. Um, God, what was I talking about? I'm so sorry. I... Graphite. Uh, oh, no. Wow, that's helpful, Kate. Thank really, so really high-quality graphite. Oh, yeah, batteries. Batteries, mm. that's it. So um, if you have uh, a mobile phone uh or a laptop i do have one of um, those i also have one of those any kind of portable electronic device of any kind uh so you're already familiar with the uh, the wonderful work of the battery mm-hmm. um and so the the role of graphite in batteries is that it's it makes up one half of the the anode cathode pairing it makes up the anode at least broadly um and what it does is it provides uh a really high surface area. So graphite has a surface area of something like 2,000 square, can have a surface area of up to 2,000 square meters per gram. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so once once again, it's it really is a material of extremes when it comes to all physical properties. It's just a yeah. massive surface area, incredible tensile strength, incredibly soft as well. Um, soft? Yeah. Like in what way? Oh, you can you can trivially break graphite apart with your hand. Mm. Yeah, wow. Um, because what happens is it's all of these incredibly thin layers, and yeah. so they just slide off each other. Uh, yeah. So it's a it's a it's a tremendous uh, dry lubricant as well. Don't get any ideas. Um, uh, <laughs> but it stains things black. So yeah, yeah. Well, you can wash it off. Um, yeah, okay. It, it takes a little while. When I was doing a lot more site work, like working with graphite with my hands, I just like I would I would come home, and I would get the pressure washer and I would strip down to my underwear in the backyard before my housemates got home and just pressure wash my boots while I was still in them. Um, uh, because this was the only way to get the graphite off. I didn't want to put them in the washing machine and steel caps cause that'll wreck the washing machine. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's not going to be a good time. It was not good. Yeah. So batteries, um, the role that graphite plays is that the, the lithium in the lithium ion of your battery, uh, mm-hmm. gets kind of held in the anode, uh, in mm. between the layers of graphite, um, in a, it forms a complex uh, uh, LiC6, which is uh, lithium hexacarbon. Um, hexacarbonyl feels wrong somehow. Carbonyls are a different thing. And so for every six atoms of carbon, you can store one atom of lithium, which is not its not that space efficient. It's pretty good. It's the best we've got. Um, yeah. But so... The process of charge and discharge in a battery; those lithium ions move in and out of the um, of the graphite, slowly pushing the layers apart. Um, which mm. is why, with if you've had a phone for a few years or just a shitty phone like me, um, or something like that, or you've got a bad one, sometimes you notice like the battery will expand and like pop the back mm. off your phone or something. That's Yikes. because the the lithium. Uh, intercalation, deintercalation, and reintercalation, which is those lithium ions going 
in and out and in again. In and out of the yeah. yeah. It it forces the battery, it forces the anode to expand, and then that's why your phone battery inflates like some sort of balloon. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, so graphite is fairly good at not doing that, um, and we're definitely getting better at doing that because you know, like one of the biggest demands in terms of people. It, people's want for batteries is like batteries that can store a lot of power and I don't need to charge very often. And we're getting yes. to that point with phones, right? Like I have a $200 phone and if I forget to charge it for a night, like I'll be okay for most of the next day. And that was a $200 mm-hmm. phone. Whereas like, you know, a few years ago, the idea of having a phone that would last you two days if you were careful was like, damn, you have a lot of money. And maybe yeah. a battery. Yeah, bank. well, I mean, my phone, I went camping for three nights. So that was four days when we were somewhere where there was no, like, I mean, my phone was on airplane mode because it had, there was no phone mm. reception anyway. But I was using it as a camera every day and I didn't charge it. And it lasted, the battery lasted four days yeah, in yeah. airplane mode. Well, that's, yeah. And yeah. I mean, like, I've got a, you know, decent quality iPhone, but mm. still four days without charging blew nice. my mind. I was like, wow. Well, yeah, so ba- battery tech has come a really long way in the last 10 years, especially with the focus mm. on renewables that we're seeing at the moment. Like, people are realizing how much of a big deal energy storage is and all these companies are like, ah, oh, shit, we need to, you know, we need to get cracking on this. Um, so figure this one out, yeah. One of the alternatives that people have put forward, I would be remiss if I didn't mention this, is uh, silicon anodes. So instead of okay. instead of graphite, you can use silicon, the enemy. Um, the enemy. <laughs> <laughs> The enemy because of, you know, where you work or the enemy because it's actually genuine. Or is it like the whole idea of, you know, people trying to come up with, um, because silicon silicon is like really, really similar to carbon, but kind of different, right? They share a column or a row on the periodic table. So they share a lot of properties. My mind jumps to um, like in sci-fi where they're like silicon-based life forms rather than carbon-based life forms is a concept we've come up with because it could Mm. be plausible because silicon shares properties that carbon has so it could be done in a similar way yeah Um, yeah absolutely so that's that is something that um is like i guess one of the reasons that silicon gets explored as an alternative to carbon in a lot of Mm. uh fields um the problem with silicon for batteries is that when you have when you intercalate deintercalate and reintercalate lithium into silicon it expands like 300 percent and so you just you just like it doesn't it's on its own it doesn't play nice getting yeah, it okay. as a battery anode because then all of a sudden, you know, your um, your charge density per unit volume just just gets thirded. People are always mm-hmm. going on about, you know, the, the future of the, the silicon anode and stuff. And I'm not saying we won't get there, but I think at, le- at least for people in the battery industry, that's kind of like the, I mean, it's, kind of, it's one part holy grail, one part pipe dream, right? <laughs> like, you know, it's it's something that people are going to be, striving towards for a really long time and you know people do uh silicon additives to batteries to make them uh have a a greater charge density and all that kind of stuff but um Mm. you can only add so much because it really does just like expand yeah okay right and Mm. then the back of your phone's popping off and yeah i guess another uh, very similar to batteries another uh another use of graphite uh, which Mm. i which i personally think is really fucking cool so again if if you ever used a laptop or a phone um, or Never. headphones, or any, anything with any kind Literally of. Literally using all three right now. You're using your phone right now while we're recording. Well, like it's next to me, so I can see what the time <laughs> is. Like is. All of those things have chips in them, right? Like they've got silicon chips. They got they got printed mm. circuit boards, right? And so the idea of that is like you can you kind of print out a onto like a 
the you know the the green bit you print out onto that like what you want it to do right mm. and so all the little like the wiring and stuff kind of gets like printed onto it well you can you can do that with graphite as well so you can you can make like a um a conductive ink out of it so as mentioned earlier graphite has these incredibly oh. good conductive properties right yeah um but for this one you you don't you don't necessarily need a particular substrate so like you can you, there's there's not an inherent reason then that you couldn't print a circuit onto a piece of paper. Um, obviously, you need oh. the rigidity because you obviously mm. want to store it in something. But mm. I think it is something that's getting looked at for like um, we're just starting to see like the advent of like uh, uh, flexible screened phones. Um, and so for me, at least, mm. I think that's a, a really big application for things like that, right? Like bendable technology because you need to get your yeah. circuit onto something that is... Bendable, bendable, right? Mm. Yeah, and so you can you can print conductive inks using graphite, and that's, okay, so that's, then, that's pretty freaking. Yeah, cool. so yeah. Then if if you can get a material that's like strong but bendable that you can just mm. print a circuit onto, uh, you can you know you can have uh, like bendable technology or you know wearable technology or something like that that's um a, a lot more operable and a lot less fragile uh, mm. than. Uh, using a traditional like printed circuit board mm. with wires and solder and yeah yeah I mean you might you might still probably still need some of that stuff but um mm. like you know you'd still need the bits that stick out of it yeah uh, or at least some of them um the transistors oh, transistors um, but... resistors sisters misters so blisters those those are getting down to um like micron scale nano nano scale now mm. um. So there's a there's a field of um, called molecular electronics, um, which shout out to the uh, Paul Lowe Research Group, Moltronics. Um, there's a professor at EWA who who insists that Moltronics is a widely used term for this. I was literally field. about to suggest we should call it Moltronics. Um, well, so I'm really you are in good company that's... because that is the only research group in the entire world that has ever called it Moltronics. But they're, they're really trying to make it. They're really trying to but make, they're trying to make it a thing. They're trying yeah. to make either Moltronics or Molectronics is also. Molectro- molectronics I like is Molectronics. Not bad. Molectronics I like would be. My my. Actually, I got I got a buddy in that research group. I'm gonna fucking I'm gonna fucking send him that after awesome. this interview. He'll love that. Electronics. Um, Electronics. Yeah. Why is that not what we're calling it? Uh, chemists are. Um, and I can say this as a chemist. Um, <laughs> You're allowed to make chemists, this joke. Yeah. Oh, they're just you know they're they're bad people. <laughs> <laughs> Considering you are probably like the only chemist that I know. Sample size of one. Yeah, that's, that seems true. Yeah. Hey, hey. No, I, <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I, I don't know why I haven't I've let you on off. my podcast twice. You're all right. That's that's true. That's true. Um, no, um, molecular electronics is something that is kind of developing, I think, to some degree, hand in hand with this kind of like, you know, um, printable circuits, um, just because mm-hmm. you can get like, you know, transistors and... Um, like uh, gates and switches and stuff that are like you know ten atoms wide, and if you can print your your wire to be like ten atoms wide, and you can print mm. it onto a piece of paper, if you can print that switch as well, all of a sudden mm. you are you're really getting a lot more uh, density in terms of like computing power into a single area. Mm. And I mean, admittedly, you know, phones and stuff have been getting bigger, but. Um, yeah, you know, I think with with stuff like this, you can you can just fit a lot more processing power into 
into your pocket. Yeah, well, even if phones are getting bigger, the the amount of storage that we mm. need and the amount of processing power that we need is also increasing exponentially, right? Yeah. Onto something that's like the same size. We we need to make things smaller and mm. more. Well, yeah. Uh, need is a strong word, but yeah, I mean, we we certainly want to. We need. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Look, okay. we need. I reckon it is like the more computing power that's not just for a personal use that also expands what you can do from like a scientific level or an industrial level. Mm. The more computing power you have, the more fucking data you can crunch. The more we learn, the more computing power we can make. The more data we can crunch, the more we learn, and before we know it, Dyson swarm. You know, like. <laughs> so you, you wanna you wanna put a big fucking mirror ball around the sun, just get all our energy that way. Big Dyson sphere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen to our episode on entropy and. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> how, how many how many episodes of this podcast can we plug this episode? Do you think? I feel like we make it a personal challenge each episode. One, how many times? One episode can we, throw we back? need to plug every single prior episode in that episode somehow. Challenge All, accepted. However many episodes we have, thirty. Quite a few now. Yeah. yeah well done. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, Look at us go. <laughs> so, was there anything Crazy. more you wanted to touch on? In regards to About graphite. 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 Um, yeah, I guess um, some of the, I don't know, some, some of the just like the weird shit that people are doing that really interests me. Um, oh, please. So weird shit is I, I kind of, what we want. During during the first lockdown, um, I, I got the uh, brief nickname Yarn Boy uh, because it turns out, so one of the things I was looking into was uh, carbon nanotube yarn. Mm. Uh, so oh, what? So basically, you can spin any fibrous material into yeah. uh, into a yarn, right? Mm -hmm. And that that mm -hmm. includes graphite as carbon nanotubes uh, because so they I can are make graphite like sweaters. Yeah, I yeah, feel cool. like that would just make you uh, very very dirty incredible. at the end of it because it would all just sort of rub off on you, right? It wouldn't be a good sweater. Well, possibly. I'm sure. I'm sure you could treat the outside of it. Um, with something that would kind of would it be, keep it in place. Would it be comfortable? What would that feel like? What would it, it would what? be? It would probably be soft, uh, based on whatever you uh, coated it with, and then um, it would be very insulating. Uh, would be another property it would have, mm. and then a third oh, property you to could have would totally be totally fucking line jackets with it. Like if not, well, it would be incredibly electrically conductive. Oh, <laughs> fantastic! Maybe, yeah. So you're well, out in a lightning well, no, storm. Here's the thing, what right? If you wrong? put a lining in, like an internal layer of a jacket, put an insulating layer on the outside and the inside, so you've got like this carbon nanotube fabric sandwich with this insulating material around it. Then the electricity is not mm. going to get through, and then it also means that you just it's a really fucking warm jacket. Yeah, it'd be like stab proof and bulletproof. Yeah. Just yeah, don't get a rip in that top be... or bottom insulating layer and you won't get electrocuted. Um, <laughs> jobs are good. Yeah, it's that, as you see, generally it's not like a like most clothes. It's not like if you damage this, you are exposing yourself to a massive risk of electrocution. Um, <laughs> hey, high risk, high reward, like you, you know? <laughs> I, I agree. Um, <laughs> so there's a, there's a group uh, at a university... Uh, the, the name of which escapes me. It's in the States. Um, mm -hmm. But they have got a startup where they spin carbon nanotubes into yarn. And it's, it's, um, it's, it's really bizarre. It's actually like a very similar, it's very similar technology to like um, traditional yarn spinning in that you just have like, you have a source of these fibers, which in this case is um, carbon nanotubes grown by chemical vapor deposition. So you have a mm -hmm. vacuum and then you put carbon into that vacuum 
or treated carbon into that vacuum and it deposits very evenly on the catalyst surface and grows in these tubes, like a little forest mm. of nanotubes all pointing upwards. And then you can kind of feed that through a machine. Through uh, like a spinning wheel. Yeah, yeah. If you basically, your basically, on your 16th birthday, you'll fall asleep for 100 years. Yeah, exactly. Um, you, yeah, you feed that through basically a, a very specialised high-tech spinning wheel uh, mm. into a pool of super-concentrated acid. Um, or, interestingly, so some, some, some success has been had with uh, like 102% sulfuric acid um, mm. and then some success has also been had with um, hyaluronic acid, which will be familiar to any of the skincare addicts in the audience. Um, <laughs> as a, a skincare product uh yeah it turns out that also gets used to make super materials so you know cool the um chemistry of facial care and uh incredible materials is uh not as far removed as you might think i mean where carbon graphite's carbon clearly it's good for carbon chuck it on my face exactly exactly <laughs> you should do that any uh-huh. anything that anything anything that they anything. use on graphite just put it on Chuck your face, it on your face. Yeah. put it what on your could face go that's wrong? i think the tagline for this episode put things them, put them put them on, put your, face. on your face <laughs> um if it's good enough for carbon it's good enough for me couldn't have said it better myself <laughs> uh so this this yarn so i've only seen a couple of like kind of trial demos that admittedly i saw them a year ago um but mm-hmm. the idea was that it was a just like a really thin black wire that they would just hang, you could plug it straight into the mains mm. or, you know, plug it straight into an electrical source and you can mm. also, can you connect it to the light. And so the idea is that it's a, um, it's an electrical cable, but it also has incredibly good tensile strength. Um, mm. So you don't need like other things to support things that you're trying to give power to. Um, but yeah, I think they're, they're currently just looking at like that kind of application, but I certainly wouldn't be surprised. You can buy it. You can buy it by the by the meter. Um, and you... is it expensive? Yeah, it's not <laughs> as exp- yeah. it's okay. It's not as expensive as you'd think. It'll still run okay. you. I think it'll still run you like a few hundred dollars a meter um, right. for the really good stuff. Okay, but still, that's that's less than I would have thought. You're yeah, right. yeah, it's. Uh, you'd be surprised at the things that the things the, the amount of money that things cost. So I, my honestly, my, I am constantly surprised at the amount of money things cost. I think with with this case in particular, it's kind of like they're making it and they're doing the research, and so they've got a bunch of it, and they're like, well, we should sell this to people, yeah. and then maybe people will want to buy a lot more of it because it's really useful. Mm, but like, yeah. they're not trying to make money off it just yet. Um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I could I could definitely see that Watch being used space. for like um, you know, like wearable electronics or something like that. Because I mean, mm. yeah, I think I, I don't think it will be that long. Google Glass has obviously been and gone, and they Apple. Uh, sorry, Google decided not to do that. Yeah, cut out the bit where I said Apple. Um, they, I'm gonna duplicate it. Ah, uh, awesome. Um, I love sounding like a fucking idiot when I'm the the science <laughs> guest on a science podcast. It's my goal. It's my uh, goal. <laughs> fantastic. Um, yeah. I yeah, need a better sound it's guy, sorry. Humanizing you. <laughs> I don't want to be humanized. I want to be alienized. Human? I want to be alienized. Um uh yeah, like um wearable stuff like that, I think, is going to come back. Like I think it's only gonna be so long before we all have a little down over our eyes mm, that kind of like, gives yeah. us a heads up display or um bit of AR. You know, like this 
Yeah, Just yeah. People's names. That's something I would really appreciate. Imagine being able to play you know? Pokemon Go without having to open your phone. That's the future I want. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Damn. Hey, you still playing Pokemon Go? No, <laughs> but it's still on my phone for the occasion when I'm like, maybe there's a poker sense in here. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. The place I used to I work just... at at the cinema, there was a um. We were literally right next to two different Poke stops, so you could just sit nice. in the office on your break with the um with the Pokemon Go app open and just wait, and you would just be able to farm all of these items and good shit, and you like wouldn't even have to leave the building, and you could go and do all of this stuff. So like, all of the managers at this work were just addicted to this game. Like you would just go into the <laughs> office, and they would just be on their phones playing Pokemon Go. So just whenever I, I was that. on break, I, I would it. go in as well and you know play it for a bit as well. Oh fuck yeah! Well, I'm I'm glad I'm glad it's hard work at Hoyt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. miscellaneous mm-hmm. cinema. I don't know. I don't work there anymore. Can I name and shame them? I don't know. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's that's a call that only you. can Ah, uh, we'll see fuck how I'm. Fuck <laughs> we'll see how I'm feeling in post. <laughs> okay, so we've uh, got yarn, which is whack, absolutely whack, but very cool. Mm. Is there any other, are there any other weird, weird shit that people are doing with graphite? Uh, So that you can use it for, um, you can use it for thermal energy storage. So the idea, right, is um, for a very long time, human beings have basically been like, okay, how can we heat up water to drive a turbine to generate, you know, to pass a current through a copper, pass a magnet through a copper coil, generate an electric current, right? Like that's... That's our fucking bread and butter. They still that's Pretty what nuclear standard. plants are for, right? Like you're still yeah. passing a fucking magnet through a copper coil. Um and so one area that graphite kind of gets used for in that sense is uh because it has this really, really high capacity to store heat, like it can get really hot and still be mm. kind of relaxed. And also it holds on to heat really well. Um mm. is basically making a huge graphite blocks that when you have uh say you know, ex- excess energy generated by a renewable energy source that you want to store somewhere, right? Mm. You can use that energy to um, heat these graphite blocks that will then stay hot. And then when you want to get that energy back, you pass mm. water like past or through those graphite blocks and that heats up yeah. the water and then yeah, you can use right. that to drive a turbine, right? And so that's yeah. interesting because you you're relying on the incredible heat capacity of graphite, but also it's really, it's very, it's very scalable technology. Like in theory, at least you can just like dig a large hole in the ground Mm. and just like keep putting graphite in it. Yeah. Um, I was going to say like, where do you put these giant mm. hot blocks of graphite? Hey, dig a hole hole in the ground. Mm. Um, Yeah. Okay. Obviously it's more complicated than that. And you need like infrastructure that services that, but there are. Just dig a hole, get out there with a (laughs) shovel. Well, as in terms of um, hole-in-the-ground-based energy storage technologies, <laughs> you'd be surprised. Um, yeah, okay. There's a Scottish startup that has actually, uh, I think they're called Grav Energy, and they mm. just have a crane, and the crane is, like, built over a just like a shipping container filled with cement, mm. and yeah. they get they get energy, and they use it huh. to pull the shipping container up, mm-hmm. and when you want energy, you let the shipping container down. I... <laughs> Love that. That's so simple. So simple. You you <laughs> can you can stack barrels of cement in a hole. You can push a train cart filled with cement up a hill. It's energy. Like yeah. you you can just store energy 
in the fact true, that you are right. pushing something up a Potential hill. Energy. It's like one of the first things I learned in like yeah. year eight, year nine science. Like yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> can it could yeah. Fuck. Okay. And it's 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 not it's not necessarily like the most efficient way of storing energy, mm. but it is. It's very a cheap. way. And we're also mm. very good at making cranes and cement already, and so mm. there's not like mm. we've been doing it for a while. There's not like a our lot entire of new infrastructures based off that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like there's not a lot of new technology developed for that, especially for like the train and barrel kind of gravity storage. Mm gravity energy storage mm. stuff where you're just kind of like, yeah, shove it up a fucking hill. And when it comes back down, you know, just like attach that to a generator. Um, yeah. Like a, yeah. Yeah. So like there's bulk storage uh, methods like that for graphite, which I think are uh, promising, I think would be mm -hmm. the word. Um, last I heard they were able to store energy in graphite, getting it up to about 1,400 degrees to store the energy because the problem is not the graphite. The problem is everything around the graphite. Like mm. you have yeah. to build the pipes to get the water around the graphite and then those yeah. pipes have to be able to deal with the fact that they're going to be at like 1,000 degrees. You and need to make them out of a material that can withstand a heat that graphite. So would you just make it out of more graphite? I was going to say, would they be graphite pipes? Do you have a graphite uh, block and like a graphite room surrounded by graphite pipes? In graphite pipes instead of graphite blocks. Well, at at, at just... some point, they need to be made out of something that's not graphite. Um, Do they, though? Why can't uh, like everything be graphite? Structural integrity Carbon reasons, revolution. unfortunately. <laughs> I, look, love the carbon revolution. Um, but carbon yeah, and like hydrogen, it doesn't have... you convinced me they're the only two elements we need. Fuck everything else. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look... I, I think I think I think a case can be made for oxygen. I think a case can be made for nitrogen. <laughs> no, no. If you get too much um, oxygen, yeah. then the insects get really, really big. And we've talked. We don't want insect rights. So with this, and also, this, like, this was a thing in our last useful. podcast, and I stand mm -hmm. by the fact I, I'm a shill for big bug. I want <laughs> more oxygen. I want large bugs. Mm. I think that's good, actually. You want large mm. bug. Well, there's. I think the thing is, like, you get a you get a STEM degree, and Kate will be able to back me up on this. I don't think it's really possible to get a STEM degree without having like a little bit of kind of a mad scientist streak. Oh, in terms of like, as long as you, you just... keep it in mad scientist and don't let it get to the extent of super villainy. <laughs> Elon Musk. <laughs> Sorry, that's something in my throat. There. <laughs> yeah, um, he's a he's a he's an interesting one. Yeah, I old, have an uh, old elongated muskrat. <laughs> Yeah, he's a uh, he's a bad person. He's a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> Is this staying? In I don't podcast? know. Again, because... I'll see how I'm feeling in post. <laughs> how ruthless are you feeling? <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Yeah, he um, be interesting to see what happens with the uh, with the rockets if they uh, <sighs> all keep exploding. Yeah, uh, or not. Yes. Uh, mm. I, I would I would I would like to avoid another challenger. Um, that's rough. And we should have yeah. less of that. It's like you see the yeah, 10 probably. rockets explode and then all of the comments are Elon since being like, it's another step in the right direction. And I'm like, yeah, I guess. Yeah, he really does have simps, doesn't he? He really um, does. <laughs> so there's an interesting, um, an interesting thing about Challenger, which incidentally had a lot of graphite heat shielding on it mm. because, you know, when you're going up into space and coming back down from space, graphite is something that you use for heat shielding. Mm. So that, that incredible... Yeah, okay. um, like uh, interplanar, like uh, perpendicular to plane resistance to heat transfer is really good because you can have mm -hmm. the outside of your shuttle get to like, you know, 3000 degrees or whatever from air resistance. And then the inside stays, I mean, comfortable is maybe a stretch, but like 
not you're not, not, not instant death temperatures. Mm. Yeah, um, which is you know ideal generally. Yeah, yeah. My own little personal gripe about the Challenger thing is that before they launched, like everyone, like all of the people that were launching that rocket were like, "This rocket is not safe to launch," and then they got told to launch anyway. Uh, because they're like, it'll be fine, and also we're behind schedule, and this is like an optics thing, and so they ah. like there were a bunch How of engineers. Well, there though, were a bunch hey. of engineers that were just like, you're gonna kill, you're gonna fucking kill these people, and then Neck management were like, were like, we don't care, fuck you, they went, they're not gonna die, and then they died. Lo and behold, uh, you know so what happened. the long story is long, short and long of it is. Look, you don't have to like engineers, but you should probably listen to them because listen because to scientists, engineers. I recently listen to people um, with STEM degrees, no matter how mad scientists they are. I recently <laughs> watched uh, binge through the entirety of the show Chernobyl, and oh it, yeah, it, it, that's very similar to what happened there. Just a bunch of mm. bunch of people not following safety procedures, leading to a bunch of human error, leading to a horrible 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 accident with a lot of tragedies and death and shit like that mm. because i'll say it louder for the people in the back listen to people with stem yeah. degrees <laughs> anyway some of us are bad um <laughs> don't listen i to mean look, hey some of the people that let else. the bad things happen in chernobyl did have the stem degrees but they were just being really yeah, lax with their knowledge because they were wanting to like push to push to get stuff done from like a bureaucratic mm. standpoint, they're like, we need to get this done. Stuff is going wrong, but we need to get this done by this time. So fuck everything. We're going to proceed with, oh, it's exploded. Okay. Um, huh. Shock. Yeah. Yeah. Another handy use for graphite mm. in is in nuclear power plants. Just by the way, I, I know very, very, very little. Graphite. About the, uh, gra- yeah. No graphite, graphite control around. rods. Yeah. 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 Um, I know very little about that particular use of graphite. I am. Um, Admittedly, I've had a I've had a little bit to do with Ansto, but uh, not um, not a lot to do with Ansto. Ansto, for reference, is the um, Australian Nuclear Standards and Technology Organization. Mm. So they're like, okay, mm-hmm. we have nuclear reactors. How do we make them not fucking kill people? Mm. And that's kind of their job. I mean, their job entails yeah. like everything surrounding all kind of radioisotopes that get used mm-hmm. in Australia. Tough gig, yeah. I reckon. I've, mm. I've I did a um, a webinar with someone from um, Ansto who was talking about, oh God, what was it? Um, radiation being how human cells experience time. Mm. Um, it's like the you know exposure to high levels of radiation shows like accelerated aging in cells. And like for yeah. a very long time prior to a lot of nuclear stuff going on, like background radiation of the universe is like, that works as a clock, right? Like that, you can see that working mm. as a clock for cells, so they can like work yeah. out how long something has been. Like yeah. cells have some kind of experiences, maybe a, a wrong word for it, but like they have some experience of time. Interesting. And yeah. basically, um, her theory was that like that's radiation, and that radiation is is how cells experience time, um, yeah, which. Wow. Got said to me in a Zoom call, and I sat there for like two hours afterwards, like, oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You're the, yeah. you're you're definitely closer to the um, you know, biology side of things than I am, Kate. I hope that's not offensive. No, <laughs> what saying that I'm closer to the biology? Yeah. Why would that be offensive? Biology is great. Oh, the squabbling well, I mean, yeah, amongst but... the different fields of science. <laughs> you guys are so funny. It's fun biology to watch is, from the outside. You know... I would have loved to be a biologist, yeah. honestly, but um, didn't work out. No, you chose the wrong. Field, that's fine. I won't judge you for it. Well, I won't judge you much. 
Um, <laughs> anyway, 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 our listener question today is a little bit biology based. So, you know, I'm going to I'm going to, of course, make it all about me again, as always. But before <laughs> we go on to our listener question, is there anything else about, you know, boring, not biology? I mean, <laughs> graphite. No, I am actually very enthused by this. This has been very cool. But is there anything else that you wanted to chuck out there? Any other whack uses? Any other fun facts, tidbits, anecdotes? Um, Questions, look, I'm comments, sh- I'm, concerns. I, I'm, keep I'm, those to yourself. I'm sh- <laughs> awesome. Look, I'm I'm sure that I've missed a hundred different things, like you know, graphite's uses, uh, like made in induction furnaces and used to heat induction furnaces, and a lot of industrial applications for this stuff. It is it is really mm. really fascinating stuff. But um, what I'm hearing is we just need to uh, bring you back for a graphite what? to super electrical conductor boot. Uh, I, I, I don't I don't know if I don't know, I don't know if there's a, I don't know if there's a second episode in it. But um, I had <laughs> a way one last time. episode for our <laughs> Patreon that we now have, Ooh, which yes, uh, you know, yes. which I will shout out properly at the end. But just you know, in case anyone wasn't aware, we now have a Patreon. You can find us. Patreon.com yes. forward slash curiosity rat. Throw us money. You should we send the it. dynamic duo. Send them money. Give them money. If the, if you pay them, you might get to pay me one day. Or rather, you'll be able to, yeah, I don't know. You can fund one day our first I might ever work. crypto mining thing. That's that's what the money's going towards. <laughs> We're going to make our it's own. We're going to make our own cool. cryptocurrency. It's first, we need to pay coin. off our Google Drive subscription. That's true. Uh, <laughs> my fucking, my video game guild leader is like, Spruiking Dogecoin oh to everyone god. in the guild. Oh my god! And she 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 was like, "You guys need to get into it at like 0.03 and at time of release, I think it's like 0.5." And she's like, "I fucking told you all." Like, is it just me or yeah. is crypto sounding kind of like a pyramid scheme? I don't know, man. <laughs> it's kind of got a bit of an MLM a, kind of vibe to it. Like everyone, you should buy it too. <laughs> you know, mm. it's. Mm. I don't. I don't think it's a pyramid scheme, uh, but it it does use a truly phenomenal amount of energy. Like it uses mm. more energy than Ireland than the Republic of Ireland. Um, oh really? Yeah. And that was a while yeah. ago that it was it was using more energy than Ireland. So like And it definitely is now because it's only getting bigger. Mm. Yeah, yeah. People are getting um, bored in it, isolation. So they're like, hey maybe I'll try mining crypto. Fuck it. What my so mining crypto mm. on a uh, at least from what my friends mm. in IT have told me, mining crypto on a personal scale is just like not viable. Mm. What you need is Shipping containers filled with graphics cards and a town near a hydroelectric plant. Fucking uh, Because that's yeah. where energy supply is the cheapest. Yeah. And, you, yeah, you just need a shipping container full of GTX 3090s, basically. Mm. And that's how you do it. Uh, yeah, cool. Easy. I've yeah. got one of those spare yeah. in my yeah. backyard. Well, I, used so. to, I used to live somewhere where we didn't pay the electricity bill. And I knew there, there were a few people who were just like, fuck it, and set up little mining rigs. Because <laughs> that's like, you know... All, all of the operational expenses were taken care yeah, of. And they were the like, electricity bill. Yeah, doesn't mm. matter. Not paying it. So we have a listener question, as always, as with every episode. Um, so this was a listener question sent in from Jaden. And it's, what does the little dangly thing at the back of your throat do? You so, feel you know, you make... I yes, watched Phineas and Ferb. <laughs> you have, like, um, rap songs about sucking dick about it, I believe. <laughs> what? You know, the thing at the back of my throat. You know, oh yeah, well, I'm I mean, Cardi I B. It's not about. It's not about. It's, yeah, yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not about sucking. The song's not about sucking dick, but I think that bit is. I want you to hear yeah, that. Yeah, well, I mean, thing that sits at the back of my gag throat. reflex. <laughs> gag reflex is indeed one of the things that the uvula, uh, which, by the way, if you didn't know, is Latin for small bunch of grapes, oh. um, because apparently that's what we thought the little, you know, which kind of makes sense. It's kind of got that 
bulby. So who anyway. was like, damn, I need these fucking grapes. I want to eat these grapes. <laughs> Get them out of my throat. You know, the uvula yeah, would look, be very aerodynamic. It has a very similar shape to a uh, wing foil. See how episode... <laughs> Airfoil. Airfoil. Airplane wing. Yeah. I don't remember what episode that was from. Boomerangs. Boomerangs. There we go. So I had to sneak another one uh, in there. Um, there we go. All the promos in there. Yeah, <laughs> so it is called... The small dangly thing in the back of your throat is called your uvula. Thank Welcome. you, Matt. Um, and for ages, it's one of those things that scientists kind of thought didn't serve a purpose like kind of like see our episode on the appendix Uh, we kind of thought that it was useless it turns out it maybe does some things um it's called a vestigial remnant is what these things are like you know the tailbone and the wisdom teeth you know things that we used to use but kind of evolved out of needing to Mm. use and so for a while with the um uvula scientists thought that it was perhaps like left over from when animals used to kind of bend their, well, used to, some animals still do, bend their necks down to drink water. The the uvula perhaps stopped the water going down the wrong, you know, wrong pipe. Uh, turns out, of all of the mammals on Earth, humans are the only animals, mammals, to have uvulas. Mm. So there goes that theory about, you know, drinking bent over because then why don't dogs yeah. have them, for argument's sake, or horses or, you know, any of those animals. Um, they found it in like one or two baboons and I'm not talking like one or two species of baboons. They did a study and there were like literally one or two animals that had tiny little, yeah, individual animals that had tiny little kind of underdeveloped uvulas. But realistically they, you know, human ones, we've got muscle tissue in there. We've got glands in there. Um, and we're the only ones that have it. So it's kind of like, okay, maybe you know, maybe it does something. And so you kind of then have to stop and go, okay, well, what are things that humans do that other animals don't do? Um, a big one being speech. We, we say words mm. and stuff and we talk. Um, and so it's actually used apparently cause you can actually, you can have surgery to get it removed. Um, because one of the things that it, when you snore that like <sighs> noise yeah. that's generated by the uvula doing the old flappy and, flap. and gargling, actually, I'm going to link it in the description, but there's a video that I watched on YouTube, um, by the slow-mo guys. I love the that's slow-mo like a guys. slow motion, vi- slow motion video of, of someone's uvula, like while gargling oh. either both with water and without water, just making that oh. like, oh, oh, that's noise. Worst yeah. ASMR. And you can watch. I'm so sorry, listeners. <laughs> I'm not. Um, and you can watch this slow-mo video of the thing like flapping around. It's really quite gross, but also amazing. Um, but yeah, some languages, not English so much, but languages like French that and use the phlegm Hebrew sounds. and German and Arabic that use the, the yeah, the phlegm sounds, we'll call them. Um, so like the guttural K or like the mm kind of noise. It's called a uvular trill oh. where you do the, it's like similar to a rolled R, but kind of comes from the back of your yeah. throat where you're like, what? <laughs> you know, that kind of, those sounds, mm. the uvula helps create. Um, so that's one thing that it does. Um, also, as we kind of alluded to before, gag reflex, mm-hmm. that's a thing. Um, so when, you know, it stops you choking <laughs> when you get something down. Something down the back of your throat that you don't want down the back well, of your throat. Some people might quite want naturally, it. We, I don't know. Well, shame. something that physiologically speaking, <laughs> your body thinks you don't want down the back of your throat because we like to not choke. We like to be able to Generally. breathe. And so um, this, yeah, it causes this contraction that, that ejects whatever 
inside your mouth, <laughs> down the back of your throat. Mm. Uh, another thing the uvula does is it it stops um, or it, it helps to stop food and liquid entering the nasal passage. So, like, when you swallow, what happens? Lol. So when you swallow, um, the the soft palate, which is kind of that the top of your mouth, but, like, the back bit where it's soft, not hard, the front bit's nice. kind of hard, um, that and your uvula, huh, um, they they kind of go up and they block the the entry from your nasal passage that kind of runs down the back of your throat. So it stops food and drink kind of going up there because that's also not what we want because it's kind of choking, but you can also get infections uh. and... Not good stuff. Not ideal stuff. Um, I already mentioned snoring. Oh, and then the last thing it does is it actually, I mentioned it has glands in it. Um, they're sal- saliva glands. Um, so there's different types of saliva and different glands in different parts of the mouth can make like this thicker, gooier saliva. But the glands in the uvula pr- produce a very specific, like thin, watery type of saliva mm. that... Um, you know, once again, helps with swallowing and helps lubricate your mouth to talk. Yep. So obviously, like when people have surgery to remove it, um, they find that dry mouth is one of the biggest, you know, side effects of having that kind of surgery um, because it produces this saliva. And then it does this really cool thing where, it, you know, it kind of hangs there like a wrecking ball kind of swinging around and it helps spread that. So it uh. produces that saliva. <laughs> and every time you swallow the muscle and it contracts, which just makes more saliva. And then it wobbles around, jiggles around, spreads the saliva and, you know, helps with swallowing and talking and snoring and all sorts of... So, you know, it is a useful thing. It is not a vestigial remnant. It seems to be... We do use it. We do use it. Um, So, but also we, it's not the end of the world if you have to get it cut off. Uh, Is that a thing that that some people need to... Yeah. Um, It's often... Yeah, sometimes it can be prone to infection, but also sleep apnea, which is where normally happens when you're like sleeping and you're like lying down Mm. asleep, right? And when you're kind of lying on your back, the muscles in your your sleep, the muscles in your neck and throat kind of relax, which means that the uvula can kind of slip backwards into the throat and actually block the airways. And so you stop breathing, um, which then wakes you up. Yeah, breathing, we tend to like breathing. And so when you stop breathing, it wakes you up mm. temporarily and then the muscles contract again and then you can start breathing again and you go back to sleep. And that's what sleep right. apnea is. And, you know, it leads to really restless sleep because you're waking up every so often mm. because you're not breathing and it's... At least, you know, it's, so at one least the, you're waking up. That's... that's well, yeah, that's exactly. Useful. But um, it's still, you don't you don't ever get into those really deep right. stages of sleep because you're not asleep you for long You no longer get the effects of a up. It's like... Yeah, you don't get the effects of a wrong, long rest. You can't, you know, get your spell slots yeah. back. It kind of sucks. So you've got to chop it off. Uh, well, that's that's one of the treatments that's used. Um, and apparently it's a really thing you notice, the dry mouth, but then also apparently people, their voices sound different once they've had their uvula removed. They sound more nasally, oh. uh, interestingly. And presumably, therefore, also have trouble pronouncing some of those guttural, throaty letters right. um, from other languages. But yes, Jaden, that is what the little dangly thing at the back of our throat does, is for. We think, so far. As, as you know, it goes with As all with science. every time I answer a question, I'm like, you know, the caveat is, <laughs> we think. Um, but science is always evolving. We're always learning new things. Information develops. So on, so and forth. And that's why we but, keep learning about and talking about it. So and that's that why we keep science learning. itself doesn't have any vestigial remnants. Yeah. 
Well Thank played. You. Thank well you. done. I was proud of that one. Good, yeah. good Very piece nice. of that was good, language. Um, and so with that, that kind of comes to the end of this episode. As, you know, I mentioned before, I'm going to take this opportunity again to once again spruik our little Patreon that we have. Um, it's not compulsory. Obviously, <laughs> it's not compulsory. <laughs> like, you're listening. <laughs> no. I mean, like, it's completely. Now, this, you, know, um, this you don't have to pay to get compulsory. <laughs> Whether or not you listen to our show, well, I mean, it is obviously that you pay. It's part of new Obviously, regulation. you're listening to this episode. If you're listening to this episode right now, it's likely not because you paid for it, mm. right? It's out there for free. That's important to us. We want our content to be mm. free. We want this science to be accessible to absolutely anybody who wants access to it and who wants to learn this shit. Having said that, it's a lot of time. It's a lot of energy. It's a lot of effort. Uh, we do pay for things like our Google Drive subscription, etc. So, you know, if you happen to have a couple of spare funds lying around and you want to chuck them in our direction, there is now a way that you can do that. Patreon.com forward slash curiosity rat. The link will also be in the description. Feel free to do that if you want to, if you want. Um, and you can follow us on social media at curiosity rat on Instagram, Twitter, find us on Facebook, all of that good shit that you guys are all well familiar with by now. And also Declan, thank you again for coming on and chatting shit about graphite and other things. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. If people want to find more of you, how do they do that? Apart from listening to our previous episode featuring you on hydrogen. Um, is there anywhere people can find you? If not, that's also okay. You but cannot find me. Um, cannot find you. Well, I mean, like I, I, have, I have an Instagram, mf underscore goon underscore, um, but I recently deleted everything off it because I am afraid of the internet. Um, <laughs> that is fair. Uh, but I'm going to try and be posting uh, bird photography on there. Um, Amazing. Yeah, that's that's probably uh, if you find me on Tumblr, don't. Uh, <laughs> but I, I will mean, be posting Declan's it's... Tumblr handle in the description. No. If you really want God, to stay hidden, every, anytime no. we mention your name, I can censor it out. If you like, I can go back and edit the old episode <laughs> on hydrogen censor anytime you mention your name. Um, rather no, it's, than it's having fun. your name as a feature in the episode description, I'll instead put it in. Um, I don't. Redacted. It'll be redacted. It'll, Featuring redacted. It'll be those little no. question mark things for emojis when, like, if someone sends you yeah. an emoji but you don't have that, that's what your name will be. Um, yeah. That's Just good. write it That's in good. Windings. Um, before, um, yeah. yeah, no, I have an Instagram. Follow me there if you want to occasionally see photographs of fat birds mm. up close. But if you want science content, it's okay. You can just follow us once again hey. at Curiosity Rat is our handle. And with that, homies, thank you for listening to this episode and hopefully we'll see you again hey, did soon. say, can you email in your own questions at curiosityrat at gmail.com? True, no, we did that not. Is that is curiosityrat a curiosityrat at gmail.com. If, you... if you would like your own science questions mm. answered, we're always going for some new questions that is true do shoot us those listener questions we do enjoy them and i say we i enjoy researching them i don't know matt probably enjoys i do enjoy to listening or to them. you guys to. come up with some really cool quirky questions yeah yeah often actually like so often i'm like going through the emails and i like will read the question i'm like shit that is a good question i do not know the and answer sometimes if, if a question out, is like, awesome enough it might even inspire a full episode i think we've had that before that's also true i couldn't um, tell you which one my brain can only come up with so much <laughs> on its own so please help us out team and with that, right. I think we're done yeah. here. Curiosity. Kill the rat. Curiosity. Kill the rat.
no, okay, no, we have to cut this. I can't. No, cut this. <laughs> okay. Cut this shit. I, I, I mentioned my job. I can't, I can't be you like, can't they have faces and names. Damn it. Um, well, unless uh, I, I can, look, I can always cut the name of your job. That's, I'm, no, okay, Matthew, no, no, no. We're, we're, we're out of time. It. We don't need to move on it. to the listener question. There we go. I'll make yes. the executive okay. decision. Okay. No, no more. I should say. I can't say no political tirades. No more political tirades for this episode. <laughs> notice as the seasons have gone on, I've become a little bit more lax on my no politics You've talk more on curiosity. Of the political because I have a lot of thoughts it. and opinions, and you know what? Damn it, I'm sick of not sharing them. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a true man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along. 